Hello, my name's Jim, and I'm a worshiper. Any other worshipers in the house this morning? Lord, we thank you for your abundant goodness. We delight, oh Lord, in knowing that you're our redeemer. We delight in knowing that you're our healer. We delight in knowing that you break every shackle and you set every heart free. We thank you, O oh Lord, that our eternity is already set. It is already settled. We do not live in anxiety here, but we live in the delight in knowing that we are already written in your book, O oh Lord. And we find our delight in that this day. We worship you. You are worthy to be worshipped. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. What a delight to know that our true identity is in Christ. I happen to be a grandpa for six kids. I happen to be a dad for four people who are no longer kids. I happen to be the husband of one wife. I happen to be a brother of three brothers. I happen to have whole lots of former students, including uh, Brother Krog, the son-in-law of some folks that are here, special uh, thank you for reminding me this morning that, thank you for reminding me that Michael is your son-in-law and uh, special connection there. I have, I have lots of different uh, relationships and you have lots of different relationships. You might work or you might have all kinds of, of those relationships and roles, but you really have just one identity. You're a disciple of Jesus Christ. When you go buy a loaf of bread, you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. When you go to work, you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. When you care for an elder, you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's our only identity is following him. And what a treat it is to be here in Augusta this morning uh, with your pastor. Uh, Bishop Stoops is renowned around the country in the fellowship. And thank you, sir, for your leadership and work. And, of course, Brother Hurst is a legend as well. Most of them for good reasons. <laughs> Amen. It's great to know God's people. And what a delight to know that we get to spend eternity with our great big family. Great big family. I'm, I'm missing Brother Stevens here this morning. Uh, he was here last time, and I know one of his boys from his time at Urshan. I'm missing him, but, you know, soon... We'll get to hear his voice again. We have others that have gone before. They're not hindering us. We're going to be caught up to meet with them in the air. And some thankful also for that last person that's going to be baptized. Can you imagine that person just coming out of the water, dripping with the waters of baptism, and that last moment caught away to be the Lord with us? Those that have served 50, 60 years together are going to be made perfect with that very last baptized person. What a treat it's going to be in eternity. Amen. Amen. And if you don't like worship, you can go someplace else where there's not going to be worship. But most of us want our reservation in the place where there's going to be a time of worship. Amen. Turn with me, if you would, to John 15. Had a delight with those of you that were at camp meeting uh, this last week, and you were also faithful to the Word then, and I sense a hunger and a faithfulness to the Word in the house this morning as well. Amen. Of course, Brother Shane, back in the day, suffered through a few of my classes at Gateway, 
as well, and he can still smile. I find that to be an amazing, an amazing thing. So it's great to see folks as they continue to grow and mature in the work of the Spirit. I hope to grow and mature in the work of the Spirit. Is there anybody else? Anybody have a desire to grow in Jesus? I, I always like to please my mom and dad. They've passed away within the last couple of years, both of them. And as much as I wanted to please them with my life, how much more so I want to be pleasing to my Heavenly Father. Amen. By the way, I want to say thank you to our young people that are part of your praise team. And I want to thank the Augusta Church who values young people enough to put young people in those places. What a great example. I noticed that as soon as I came through the door. Just thought I'd mention that here today. John 15, verse 1 through 5, Jesus speaking as part of his going away message. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes it away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. For I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the saying brings forth much fruit. Any fruity people in the house here this morning? bringing forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Oh, Lord Jesus, we pray this morning. We want to be so in, in you, O oh Lord, as the vine and the branch, that we can produce the fruit that you have destined for us in this last hour, a world that needs salt and light. We are offering this day as Isaiah did. Here I am, O oh Lord, just would you send, send me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Uh, has anybody noticed we live in a crazy world? Uh, sometimes I think I'm the oddball because I don't have tattoos. <laughs> as, I, as I walk through town and see everybody inked up, uh, I'm, you know, all, all this skin and doesn't have ink, got some scars on them, but no inks on them. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling kind of strange in my world today. We live in a world that everybody's working really hard to stand out. And all the ways of standing out is not truly outstanding. As our world has found more and more ways to be strange and different, seeking to find an identity. This morning, I'm among some folks who knows to whom you belong. I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. And there was a high price paid for you to belong to him. The cross was required so that you could belong to Jesus. And with delight, we say, oh, Lord, I am yours. I am yours. You might have an occupation, you might have books that you've written, you might have records that you press, but at the end of the day, we just, our identity is in Him. This morning, I want to talk a little bit about being normal. Just being normal. Everybody says, oh, you got to live outside the box. 
I'm asking you this morning, would you get back in the box? The box where the Lord created you to be like Him. I want to be normal. I'm sick of being average. I want to be normal. There's a huge difference. Normal is set by some kind of standard or norm. So when we're asking, Lord, would you make me normal, we're saying, Lord, you're the standard. I want to be like you. Average says, let's line up a hundred people, add up all their values, and divide by hundred. I don't want to be average. I want to be normal. It's average in COVID and post-COVID to be afraid. That's average. Normal is saying His grace has cast out that fear. I want the norm that says peace is mine and joy is mine and hope is mine. That's normal. Now, if you're satisfied with being average, living to your own self, then that's a pretty poor way to live. But if you'll just step over with me this morning and say, Lord, I want what's normal. I want what you say is right. Now, I, one of my vehicles takes that expensive gas. You know, you just go all the way to the end, and whatever it is, you just put it in there. But as expensive as that gas is, my brother's diesel truck wouldn't like it very much. Because gas isn't normal for a diesel engine, no matter how good that fuel is. Diesel takes normal. I don't want the most expensive oil put in my car. I want the one that the engineer says is normal for my car. Paying more isn't helpful if it's not normal. So this morning, by the time we get finished, I want you to know the mathematical difference between being average and being normal. You've heard the saying, it takes so little to be above average. I found out how to do that. Buy all your friends' video games. <laughs> Get them focused on playing video games all day long, and you are all of a sudden above average. Because your identity is rooted in everybody else. On the other hand, if we all worked a little extra hard to get above average, none of us would be above average because we just changed what's average. But our identity is rooted in Jesus Christ. What he says is the norm. That's what I want. It doesn't matter if my world says that's crazy. That may be their average idea that rejecting sin is crazy. That's an average idea in our world. But the norm is whatever his word says, I will do it. Jesus came into the world and he brought a new identity and a, a new condition where we could be purified through his word. The world around Jesus, you led by a power position that was average. Jesus brought a new norm that is you're going to serve. Average, power position. The bigger the desk, the higher the corner office, the higher the salary. I mean, for a football player, is there really a difference between 20 million and 25 million a year? Is that going to make you less hungry or... No, it only makes a difference because I get to have more than that guy does. 
That's average in our world today. The norm is I've come to serve. It was average for the Gentiles to get even and retribution. Jesus created a new norm. Forgive those who have trespassed against you. The average was you value stuff. Jesus created a new norm where our value is in relationship with him. Did anybody else used to sing a song, take this whole world, but give me Jesus? I'm in a, am I in a house this morning that still believes that's the normal way to live? It might not be average in our world, but it's the normal way to live. Whether I have a whole lot of stuff or I have no stuff, as long as I got Jesus, everything is going to be all right. It was average for the Gentiles that there's limited resources. There's only a limited amount of gold and a limited amount of platinum and a limited amount of diamonds. Limited honor. But in Jesus, there's absolutely endless love and endless grace. I'm so thankful today that when a wave of grace hits you, it doesn't deplete his grace resources. When I stand in need of the mercies of an almighty God, it's all right for me to open my arms and say, Lord, I receive your mercies right now. And by the way, it didn't shrink his reserves. There's mercy available for everybody in the house this morning because our God has limitless resources. That's the normal. That's normal. That's normal. Average in, his wor- in the world of Jesus and today is a fear of the future and a fear of the unknown. That's average living. Now as I am firmly into my geezerhood, and I hit one of those pivotal numbers in September as a geezer, certified geezer at that point for sure, It would be awful easy for me to look at my world with fear and anxiety. That's the average way to respond to aging. The normal way to respond is I'm going to trust him in this day just like I trusted him when I was 20 or 30. God hasn't changed any. Just because I am follically impaired doesn't make God any less powerful, any less mighty. He is still my buckler and my shield. He is still my provider and my helper in time of need. He is still my comforter. That's my Jesus. So today, I choose not to face my tomorrows with fear, average fear. Instead, I will choose this day. I'm going to walk a normal path. Lord, where you lead me, I'm going to follow. Now, that's not always easy, but it's normal. It's normal. So this morning, I'm inviting you to join with me in changing from considering ourselves average or even running away from normal. We just have to ask, what does he want to be normal for our lives? And if he says it's normal, it's right. Would do no good for you to go to Detroit and argue with an automobile engineer about what oil goes in your car. That would be, frankly, quite stupid. Because the engineer designed it a certain way. There are many people that come to God and say, I think I know better than you, oh God, about my life. Hmm. Keep walking your path, and that way leads to destruction. 
But if you'll switch from trying to be your own designer to receiving the designer, life is transformed. Jesus says if we abide in him and he abides in us, we will produce much fruit. We will be extremely fruity for Jesus. Now, I don't know if you like cherries or strawberries. I know that blueberries are a big thing in Maine. All kinds of fruit in this world. But when we look at the biblical text, we want Jesus to tell us the kind of fruit we want to produce. So in this chapter, there are three fruitinesses that he wants us to produce. Each of us, as we read through these three forms of fruit, you're going to identify one. The Spirit's going to identify which of those fruit he's wanting you to begin to produce to a greater extent in the rest of 2021. So my prayer right now is that at the end of this message, each of you hear the voice of the Lord calling you to develop and mature in one of these three fruit forms. And collectively, that the Augusta Church is a congregation that says, Oh Lord, the rest of this year we're focused on being the kinds of sons and daughters you want us to be. We are focused on producing the kind of fruit you want us to produce. Storms may blow around us and earth beneath us may be shaken, but as long as we abide in you... And your words abide in us, we will produce much fruit. We see that in verse number 7 and 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, and you'll be called my disciples. So here's fruitiness number one, a prayer life that goes to a new dimension. Now notice Jesus gives two, two criteria for normal praying. Here's average praying. Lord, this is what I need. I feel. I. 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 That's average praying. And some average praying gets results. Jesus is asking for normal praying. Abide in me, and let my word be in you. So when you read the word, start praying the word. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, it doesn't matter what you need to do in the Augusta Church to make it a light to this community, and across the state, and around the world. Do it in us, O oh Lord. Because you said your kingdom was going to come on earth as it is in heaven. Now I am thankful for healings, but the reason he heals us is so the world can know his power. And the world can know his glory. And the world might know his majesty. I'm not praying a healing because my back hurts. I'm praying a healing so Lord you get the glory out of this stuff. Because he says it right here in verse number 8. Herein is my Father glorified. So it's not just that you're asking the right things, but the glory points the right way. If we are praying so that everyone knows we know how to pray, guess who got the trophy? Wow, we know how to pray. Wow, he knows how to answer prayer. 
Which do you want for your, for your life? Do you want average praying? I want to know how to pray. I want answers to my prayer. I'm going to abide in him and his word abides in me and he is the prayer answerer. What would happen over the next month if all of us decided, I'm going to pray in line with the preached word. Whatever pastor's preaching and teaching, I'm going to pray, Lord, that's exactly what I want happen in my life. I didn't know it till I read it in the word, but now that I see it in the word, would you do that in me, Lord Jesus? In the Gospel of Matthew on the Sermon on the Mountain, Jesus says, I know that you need houses and I know that you need food, but if you will seek first, the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, then all these other things? That's mainly the stuff average people pray about is the things. I need a job. I need a house. I need food. My kid just jumped three sizes in his jeans. I need to buy a new wardrobe for him. Sometimes I think we should just rent shoes for kids. Because in about a week and a half, they're going to be larger anyway. Lord, you know I need the, that's average praying. Normal praying is, Lord, I put my life in your hand completely. So I take all the stuff that used to be my prayer list, and I put that down to my footnote prayer list. Now I'm, as I said, early onset geezerhood, now full geezerhood. I have to really squint at those fine prints in the footnote. Really squint to see what was the reference and what's some more detail down there. Because the author is wanting you to give the main thing in the body of the text. Our prayers, we want to prioritize what he wants done. And that parade next Sunday, Pastor, it, it's possible somebody could be filled with the Holy Ghost as you're going through the parade. Does anybody believe that? Although the tracks are going to have your church's name on it, what you're really wanting them to do is see Jesus. What you're really wanting them to do is to go home and say, there's a group in town that they have a hold of Jesus, and I want to join them because I need to see Jesus for myself. And I just want you to know right now, those of you that raised your hand are going to participate in that prayer. If you encounter someone in the parade next week in pain and difficulty, you're going to say, is it okay if we pray with you? And if they say yes, then don't say, well, I'll tell pastor next Sunday. Now, that doesn't mean you need to have a Holy Ghost hoedown in the middle of Main Street. That doesn't mean you've got to lay down on the asphalt and do a little holy roller demonstration. Because we don't need that to get God's attention. We abide in Him and His Word abides in us. So we're just going to hold their hand if that's appropriate. Or we're going to say, Lord, you see this person's need and you have promised that you've come to bring peace. You are that Prince of Peace. This is your word, O Lord, so I declare your word into this person's life. Go to that parade expecting a miracle. Why? Because that's how disciples live normally. Average disciples. Man, I've been praying a whole lot of needs and some of them got met. And I don't know if I'm going to keep praying anymore. I'm just keep adding to my Christmas list. 
I'm going to find somebody that really knows how to get a hold of God and ask them to join with me because I, I really need that raise or I really need that thing. God knows exactly what you need. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all the footnotes are going to be added unto you. Right now in this room, the Spirit's beginning to speak to some of you saying, I'm calling you to a new dimension of prayer for the rest of this year. Now, if you feel the Spirit leading you in a new dimension of prayer, I need you to understand He's going to be opening your eyes to prayer needs in the world around you. So when you ask for the dimension of prayer to grow in your spirit, be prepared to be have a revelation of greater needs around you. Not in you. That's average praying. Normal praying is going to reveal to you some neighbors. Abraham was out one day, minding his own business outside of his tent, and three men walked up to him, what he thought were men. One of those was Yahweh himself, manifest in a theophany, something that Abraham could see. God said, should I go down and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, or should I go talk to my man on the scene? You see, Abraham was following God's steps wherever the Lord lead led him. He was living as a normal follower of God. So God came to him and said, this is what's happening in Sodom and Gomorrah, and I've come down to see if it is true. Some of us act like angels when we pray. Lord, bring judgment down on the bad folk. Tired of bad folk in my community. I wish God would judge them and Maybe just go down and grab their scrawny little neck. <laughs> Pop it like a pimple. <laughs> That's average praying. Distressed when you see problems in our nation. Here's what normal praying's like. The angels went to see the fire. They got out their hot dogs and their marshmallows ready for the flames. Abram stepped closer to God. Lord, is it just? Could you deliver those towns if I could find 50 good folk there? If I could find 40 good folk there? If I could find 30? If I could find 10 good folk, would you deliver? Average praying is bring judgment. Normal praying is, let your mercy come to my town, O Lord. All of the shame, all of the pain, all of the crime, all of the violence, all of the racial disputes, and all of the classism that's going on and fights between men and women. Instead of saying, Lord, would you bring judgment on them, that's average praying. Normal praying is, Lord, you are merciful to me. Would you be merciful to them, O Lord? There are some in this congregation right now, the Lord's going to reveal to you some pain in the block around you because God has you where you live. He knows exactly where you are because he put you there. He's going to reveal some things that are happening in the block around you. When you go to work, he's going to reveal some things of stress and turmoil in other people. You're not going to pray average, well, I'm glad I'm not like that. Remember the Pharisee that prayed one day? I pray every day and I fast twice a week and I bless God, I'm so glad I'm not like that. He went home unjustified. 
normal praying is, Lord, I need you. And now that we are his sons and daughters, we have the opportunity to see the needs in our world and pray normal high priestly prayers for our world. Lord Jesus, would you bring healing in Augusta right now? Lord, I can only see a little bit of the pain that's in my city. You see all of that pain that's in my city. As much as I can handle, would you reveal it to me so I can fall on my face before you, oh Lord. I'm not so concerned about my needs. You got me taken care of. You've got my back. You supply my needs according to your riches and glory. That frees me up to pray on behalf of my city. Lord, would you bring mercy to my town? Would you bring healing to my town? Anybody that doesn't know you, would you bring grace in their lives? What a wonderful way to ask. And when we ask in that way, as we're listening to the Word and the power of the Spirit, Scripture says it shall be done and the Father will be glorified. We heard some testimonies here this morning of God's healing. I didn't know, Brother Hirsch, you had been through such an such a, 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 a ordeal in your health. But we're not glorifying you as the one that's healed. We're glorifying the, the healer. So you all need to know he is the healer and he is the redeemer. And you don't have to be in ministry in Maine for 45 years to get God to answer your prayer. That's average praying. What do I need to do to get God's attention? That's average praying. I don't need to get God's attention. He already has me on his mind. And I'm grafted into him and his words in me. I'm not praying to get God's attention. You're his son. You're his daughter. If we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more a father which is in heaven gives good things to those that ask of him. If we know how to give fish when the child asks, we don't give them a stone. We don't give them a snake. Instead, we give them what they need. Our father supplies, and we're going to pray normally. Here's the second, fruitiness. So uh, prayer is the first fruitiness, normal prayer, not average praying, normal praying. By the way, normal praying is not predetermined by the clock. Average praying says I need to add five minutes. That's average prayer life. I'm asking the church to move into normal prayer life. Paul says you pray without ceasing. That's normal praying. Not that you develop camel knees from kneeling on the ground so long. Instead, all throughout the day, when something crops up, you're in a spirit of prayer. You've been reading your Bible and you're praying in line with that. It happens all the time. So it's not about minutes. That's average praying. We want normal praying. Let's look at verse number 9. See fruitiness number 2. As the Father loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Dropping down to verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I loved you. And greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. As we respond to God's love for us, we keep his commands. Now our world asks some crazy questions with average responses. Young ladies ask, well, how do I know if I really love him enough to marry him? And they get average responses like, oh, baby, trust your heart. (laughs) 
Thou shalt not trust your heart. You are not your own. Instead, we are going to walk normally. The Lord knows. The Lord knows I have need of a spouse. The Lord's going to provide a person that's ministry-driven and loves his purposes and his design. And God's going to do it in his timing and his way, and I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him, not my heart. Now, that is a whole lot different from what you hear on average. But it's a normal life that we want. And we do that by following his commands. To love God and to receive his love is to follow his commands. Our world says stuff like this. Love is like a butterfly. If you let it go, it'll come back to you. Unless it winds up on the grill of my truck. Love is not like a butterfly. And you're not the middle of it. Anybody that talks about love as something they get out of it, that's average love from this world. Normal love isn't about me. It's about the one I am loving, I am caring for. And that love comes from a God that loved me so much he sent his only begotten son because it's not his will that any of us perish. And now because we have his love, I can love on behalf of someone else. Our world is fraught with racial tension, lack of love between races because they've been hearing the average way of loving way too long. You know you love by what you get. Normal love, you know you love by what you give. They're fighting over who can get more. God is calling us as his people to give out of or respond to his love command. One day Jesus told the story of, well, if he were telling the story today, he would call it the good Muslim. In his day, he called it the good Samaritan. Okay, Muslims, Samaritans, Christians, and Jews are all Abrahamic traditions. And the world to which he was speaking, Jews and Samaritans were at each other's noggins, at each other's throats, so he calls it the good Samaritan story. If Jesus were here this morning, he would call it the good Muslim story. So I tell it in that way to give you the gut punch Jesus was giving them. It's easy for me to hear a good Samaritan story because I don't know any Samaritans whatsoever. But I know where I was on September 11th, 01. Okay? I know our nation's been in this longest war now that it has ever been in our nation's history. So if Jesus were here this morning, he would tell the good Muslim story, not because the Samaritan was right in his doctrine, but he was giving the example of this is what it is to love your neighbor. You know the story, the people who were so busy getting to church, they didn't have time to help somebody in the ditch. But this one, he had extra time. He created margin in his time. He was on a business trip, but his schedule wasn't so tight. He could stop. He could care for the person in the ditch, put him on his mule, and take him to the inn and talk to the innkeeper. That takes a lot of time to do all of that. We've got to build margins into our lifestyle. So I've got time to love other people. 
Now, time isn't love, but it takes time. Average thinking is I'll just write a check and mail it to a help agency. Well, now, while that is good, and it's good to support those agencies, loving is giving of yourself. And to do that, you have to create margins. One is time. Second margin you need is finances. I'm thankful this is still an offering and tithes-paying church. All right? But I think every disciple needs a third pocket. That third pocket, well, you got your bills and all that. But then the other pocket of giving is a pocket that you have of extra resources when somebody needs it. Okay? So we're giving tithes and offering. The church is using that in a stewardship-driven way. We're paying our bills. And then each paycheck, we're putting away X number of dollars. For some people, $5 a month would be a whole lot to put aside. For other people, it might be $500 a month. I can't put a number on it. You know the resources God's placed in your hand. But if you put away some, when there's someone that you encounter with a need, you've got some resources. We had an elder in our church that was moving into senior citizen living, and she had literally nothing. So the princess says, well, Jim, we need to buy her some dishes. Oh, baby, can't she just use some of the ones we're not using? She said, no, honey, they, she can't. She's got a little bit of arthritis going on. The stuff we've got is too heavy. She needs something lighter. Oh, man, it's going to cost me something. But the princess says, this is what God's calling us to do right now. So fortunately, we practice this. We put money aside so that when there's a need, we've got some resources there. If God's calling you to love your neighbor, he's not calling you to go fa-thump, fa-thump, fa-thump. That's average love. I feel for them. I feel for the young man that got shot by a cop. I feel for cops who are unjustly accused. I feel for. That's just a feeling. That's average. Normal disciples act on that love. Can you see the difference? I too am bothered by violence in the street. But I can't just feel for some recipient of violence. I might be praying, Lord, you've given me the fruitiness of love for this season. Would you reveal to me someone that I can actively care for at this time? It's going to take, take time. Take finances. And the third thing it takes is margins in your emotions. So your life has to be at peace enough that you can walk into somebody else's crisis. So in this story, this is a mugger story, right? This is a mugging. Nobody is shocked that there's a mugging on the street. That was a very violent world. Our world is so peaceful compared to the biblical period. Okay? Where you had emperors killing their own kids and killing their brothers and killing their parents. And that was modeled out in daily life. It was not a shock that somebody was mugged on the street. That was average for the day. But what the Samaritan did was normal modeling, loving your neighbor. You've got to have emotions so that when you're in a mugging zone, I came through some lying signs in, in Maine. I see the same lying signs in New Brunswick. Moose crossing. Now, I, I used to get out my camera and say, okay, I'm going to see a moose. And now I realize, y'all lying to me. No moose there. Said, it next 10 miles, moose crossing. How many 
Mooses can cross. Is it Mises or what is it? Yes. How many moose can cross and attend my... I should have seen a thousand moose. I saw none. But we live in a world filled with violence. This man was in a mugging zone. So what does he do? He gets off of his donkey. He bends over in a mugging zone, placing himself at risk. You know what I do when I go through a violent place? I make sure my doors are locked. Speed through. I lived next to a town once where everybody said, if you go through that town, don't stop at any stop signs and don't stop for any stop lights. Just cruise on through because there's too much violence in the place. That's not a loving response. You've got to have enough emotions, space in your emotions that can go into that situation and love as God would have me love there. Our world is in need of hope and peace and love and joy. It's not going to happen by us defending ourselves with more weapons and building stronger walls. That's average thinking. If it's up to us, that's our only hope. I thank God it's not up to us. The Redeemer came. The Prince of Peace came. His, his hope is now with us. And as such, some of you right now, the Spirit is calling you and is going to be revealing to you ways that you can reach out into your community as an act of love. This is God's normal way of producing fruit. Now, I know some folks might be saying, Brother Littles, I've heard this passage preached so many times before, and producing fruit means, quote-unquote, winning souls. Well, while that is a form of fruit, in this passage, he wants us to produce these three kind of fruit. And by the way, if you're praying right, if you're loving right, and the third one I'll mention in a moment, there are people who will see Jesus through your life. You don't have to be able to teach a Bible study. Many of you should be teaching Bible studies, but many of you will not be teaching Bible studies, but you can love faithfully in the name of Jesus Christ. You may not be able to explain baptism the way that other person's asking the question, but they can see your love in that situation, and they will be called to Christ, not because of the words of your mouth, but the love that flows out of your hands. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray a blessing of compassionate love on the Augusta Church. A new dimension. Part of your job at the parade is seeing the ways in which your community needs a loving response in our world today. And then you're going to open your resources of time and resources of emotions to provide that care. This, is, this was Jesus' command to love one another. The old average was love people who are just like you. People that look like you, people that have the same last name, the genetic code is quite similar to yours. That's average love. Jesus gives a new love. Love even those who don't like you. I have to confess, I'm a little bit of a manly man at times, and if somebody has the audacity to cut me off while I'm driving, everybody knows it's competitive on the streets. And if you cut me off, it's going to take me three extra seconds to get to work. And I have to defend my spot on the highway. 
I loved it one time. I was going through this intersection, and somebody came up on the side, you know, one of those places where you get through with two lanes and it closes in a hurry. This fellow on the side, he was revving his engine as soon as that light turned green because he was going to pass me. You merge means I got the right away here, bless God. And I was so thrilled as I tread on the gas and he tread on the gas and the cop caught him trying to pass. <laughs> oh, that was fantastic. You see, that's, that's average. Instead, the next time that somebody cuts you off, doesn't see you, instead of getting the average response, get a normal response, Lord. I wonder what's distracting them today. I wonder why they feel so rushed. Or is there any way I can love that person today? Is there any way that they could encounter an apostolic man or woman or young person today so that your light could shine into their spirit? Do you see the difference? God is calling us to produce that kind of fruit. Finally, number three. Fruitiness number three is found in verse number 11. Jesus says, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Fruitiness number one is prayer. Fruitiness number two is love. Fruitiness number three is joy. Now notice Jesus says, My joy in you until yours is complete. If you're without joy this morning, I want you to know that he wants a normal emotional reset in your spirit. It's his good pleasure to bring you joy. Thermostat change and emotional climate change is what you need. Augusta, I guarantee, is in need, more need of an emotional climate change than it is an ecological climate change. North America needs more emotional climate change, reset to normal joy, than it does from global warming. This is God's desire for us. As we abide in His Word, we are able to become normal in our emotions. My emotions are not the way average folks are. How do people treat me? What do I have in the bank or not have in the bank? And how do I feel? My emotions are going to be determined by my circumstances. Normal, abiding in Jesus now, I can have joy in the night hour when I have nothing. Just because you were in the hospital, sir, didn't mean your joy had to disappear because your body was in pain. We can still have the joy of the Lord and the joy of the Lord. That's my strength. My bank isn't my strength. My back isn't my strength. My mental capacities are not my strength. The Lord, He is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So I've made the trip from Texas to let somebody know in the house this morning there is joy available to you and that needs to be your new normal. It doesn't matter what happens in government the rest of the year. It doesn't matter if the economy keeps going up or crashes like they're talking about. Your emotions are not tied to those things. That's average living. We instead have the joy of the Lord.
How do you get that way? You get that way from abiding in Jesus and his joy abiding in you. Sir, may I touch you? Trust me. This is what the Lord's wanting to do for every one of us here this morning. My son, I am overjoyed by your worship. I'm overjoyed by your love for me. I'm overjoyed that you spend your life seeking after my purposes and my design. And I know that there are days when the enemy wants to say you could have done far more and you're not living up to what could have been. Don't listen to that. Listen to me. My joy. I am overjoyed with you. Would you right now just put your cheek on your own hand, face, since I can't come around and touch you all right now? Would you receive the joy of the Lord right now? Would you let Jesus look into your soul, into your heart, and say, I'm overjoyed with you. When I think about you, I just giggle a little bit. I, I laugh a little bit because when I think about you, I have joy and delight in you. And no, you're not perfect. You don't have to measure up to perfection. I'm the perfect one. and My life was given for you so I could make up all of the differences where you fall short. So would you have my joy in you right now? Because I am delighted. I am delighted in you when I think about you. I say, that's my boy. That's my girl. That's my child. I have such deep, deep joy in you. So right now, Lord Jesus, I pray. I pray for a climate change in disciples' lives right now. I call for a spirit of joy in the house, a spirit of delight in the house, a spirit of confidence in your goodness towards us. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, receive the joy of the Lord. Maybe you've still got a financial bind. Maybe you're still wrestling a little bit in your marriage, but receive the joy of the Lord right now. Everything else is going to be all right if you've got the joy of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We have much reason to rejoice in the Lord. We have much reason to find our delight in Him. We have much reason to celebrate His goodness. Now, things may change. Your house can burn down. You can lose a job. Your transmission could fall out on the way home. I pray it doesn't, but it could. Average emotions is going to say, yeah, a preacher talked like that, and now look what happened to me. Normal response is, Lord, that didn't change your joy and delight in me. So the, the momentary dip in your emotions, whether it's anger when somebody cuts you off or you're misused on the job, that momentary anger is appropriate. You're a human being for crying out loud. The momentary is appropriate, but then you pray for that normal response, Lord, I'm going to continue in joy in your presence. Health crises that come, whether it's early in life or in the latter years when your energy starts tailing a little bit and can't do as much as you did in the past. And then joints may need to be replaced and Arthur moves in and cancer might take a spot. None of those things control our 
emotions. Our world will tell you something else. Our world tells you there's nothing wrong with emotions. They just are. The immediate response is it just is. But what you choose to step over into normal, I'm going to choose to rejoice in being a son and daughter of God. I choose to rejoice because he first loved me. I choose joy. Somebody just needs to choose joy today. Now to do so, we've got to go through several steps, I think. First of all, I think we have to repent of being abnormal in our emotional holiness. I'm continually angry with a group of people. That's abnormal. Maybe average. It may be justified if you're living as an average American. But it's abnormal. Jesus was spit on. He was abused, but he opened not his mouth. He knew what he was about. So we've got to repent of abnormal emotions. If there's a man in the house that's dealing with male anger, which is a real challenge in our world today, then you've got to acknowledge, Lord, I'm dealing with some anger. I, re I, I confess that to you, O oh Lord. I repent of those angry responses. The second thing you're going to do is to uh, change the words you listen to and that you value the most. I'm not going to listen to those that abuse. I'm not going to listen to even, let's say, a teenager that's having struggles, struggles with his parents. The parents aren't going to get angry back because that always helps teenagers. That really helps teenagers when they're going through teenage adjustments and you get really mad at them. That helps them settle right down. Not. When they're going through struggles, do you know what they need? They need normal parents. You don't have to be special. You just got to be normal. I'm not going to lose my joy because you're going through a crisis right now. I'm going to maintain my, I love you, I care for you, and we're going to make it through this, but I'm not going to get angry. Why? Because I'm normal. Now, that's different than what you hear in the world. You have a right to be mad. You have a right to be angry for generations. Your group or your, your gender or your class or your lack of education has been demeaned in culture. You have a right to be angry. That's average. Normal says, I'm a blessed child of God. Man or woman, I'm a blessed child of God. Black, white, or shades in between, I'm a blessed child of God. 150 genius to 50 person who's marginally able to care for themselves. I'm a blessed child of God. My joy comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from where I am. It comes from the Lord. And this is the fruit he wants us to bear as his sons and daughters. So we're going to repent. We're going to change the words. We're going to listen to God's words for us and not our world. And thirdly, we're going to act on those words. I'm going to act like I'm blessed. <laughs> I'm going to act like God loves me instead of listening to the language of the world around us. In conclusion, as we read in verse 16, you might be saying, you know, I can't do this. I can't live up to this normal. No, you can't do it on your own. But you have not chosen me. I chose you. Now, when I go to the, now, I don't go to the flower shop to buy flowers because they want too much. Apologize to any florist in the room. But I go to the grocery store because I'm kind of cheap. Still love the princess, but I'm kind of cheap, Okay. I'm really cheap, I'll confess. (laughs) 
I walk around those cheap dozen roses. I don't want to pay much, but I want them all to be perfect. I don't want one that's nodding off to sleep. I want them to be there for a while. So I keep looking around and I'll walk around the carousel three or four times because I want to choose the best that I can. Oh, brothers and sisters, you didn't choose God. God chose you. He picked you. He selected you. As he looks into the world, he says, I, hey, hey, I want you. I picked you. You can have a normal relationship with me. You can have normal joy. You can love your neighbor. Why? Because I picked you. You didn't pick yourself. I picked you. I've chosen you. And here's another one. I ordained you. So first of all, I picked you. Then I put my hands on you. When a pastor gets ordained, some ministers gather around them and put their hands on them. Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gifts inside of you. I know they're there, son, because I was there when I put my hands on you. Jesus says, I ordained you. I need you to know right now the hand of God is on you for purpose. Not just to save you. He's got a design for your life. Hand of God is on you right now, and he ordains you to mature in prayer. He ordains you to mature in loving in our world that doesn't know love. He ordains your joy to be strong and for your joy to be a witness in the world. That's what Augusta Church is ordained to be. So many people drift through life because they don't know what they're here for. This is what you're here for right now. You're ordained to pray in line and have your prayers answered and the Father be glorified. You're ordained to have love on behalf of a world that doesn't know love. And you're ordained to joy. That you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatsoever you shall ask in the Father's name, he may give it to you. These things I command you that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that they hated me before they hated you. That's not just chronologically. Jesus was in the year 33 and we're in the year 2021. When they hate you because you're walking a disciple's life, they're hating you, him before they're hating you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own, but because you're not of the world. But I picked you. I chose you. I chose you. Disciples, you are chosen and ordained by Jesus. You are ordained to be fruitful and productive. You are ordained to live out differing gifts in our world. Being normal, we're in Christ and we're clean and we ask and we love and rejoice. And all of this is rooted in faithfulness. Shall we stand together? On this what seems to be a random Sunday... This is just another Sunday, and we get 52 of them in a year. What seems to be a random Sunday can be a normalizing experience for whosoever will. If you have not yet received the Holy Spirit, this is a good day to move from average to normal. And in a moment, I want you to respond to the request that I make for the whole congregation. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit yet, you're coming forward either for... 
either uh, for prayer or for loving the world or for emotional climate change, you're going to first say, Lord, I need to receive the Spirit to move from average into the normal category. So this altar call this morning has three spots. And I know some of you are saying, Jim, I want, I want to pray like that. I want to love like that. And I want my emotions to be set like that. Now, I know all three are good, but right now the Spirit is calling you to prioritize one of those three. You see, so many times as disciples, we want to fix everything at once. And the Master says, no, 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 slow down a little bit. Let's just work on a little bit at a time. So when I give the invitation in a moment, those who feel a call to prayer in a new dimension, I want you to go to that section. Those of you that sense our world is in a world of pain and hatred, you want to bring active love to a world. You want to find ways that you can actively love the world both out of your own life as well as out of the life of the church, you're going to come to this section right here. And those of you that either are without joy or you want the world to experience the joy that you have, that you're called to emotional climate change, I want you to come over here. Right now, I believe that God has ordained in this congregation all three groups of people. One of these is not better than the other. These are all the fruit that God wants to produce in the Augusta Church and he is calling you right now. Lord Jesus, I pray a revelation in all of your people right now. I pray a deep, deep hunger to be spiritually productive to your purposes in this day. Right now, Lord, would you lay on our spirit, on our heart, one of these three forms of fruit. And I'm going to respond to the call of grace and I'm going to submit myself to becoming more normal in prayer, more normal in actively loving my neighbor, and more normal in having the right emotional climate, the climate of joy. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. So if you would come now, just come and stand in one of these sections. Prayer, love, actively loving our world, seeking emotional climate change. Would you come right now and just stand? Just stand. Begin raising your hands, calling on the name of the Lord. Asking the Lord give you these fruitful attributes so you can be a kingdom asset.